certainly thrilled with how guys stepped up here today throughout the lineup. Like I said, good energy and good start to the game. Nizey got really got us going, and guys never really looked back from there. I thought our execution offensively tonight was maybe as good as it's been in, in a long time. Hello. It's Monday. Fan morning show. Good Sports morning. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Um, Kyle Dubas had a, a nice view of Saturday's 7 nothing victory by the Toronto Maple Leafs over the visiting Pittsburgh Penguins. It's our uh, final week of shows before Christmas. What a way to start the week, Brent. Mm. Like, uh, I know that, that was a couple of days ago, no. but there, there's so much to take away from a 60-minute hockey game as the Toronto Maple Leafs now... Nine consecutive games without a regulation loss. They are, I don't know, juggernaut-ish? Juggernaut-ish, at least. Not quite juggernaut-full, but juggernaut-ish, definitely. Mm-hmm. Leafs going full, LeBron James, D-Wade, Chris Bosh, not five, not six, but seven goals against the Penguins. That was as good a victory as they've had this year, both in terms of just start to finish. They've had stretches like that, and then the mm-hmm. wheels have come off, and then the score lines maybe not as flattering. Not Saturday night. It starts off with the beautiful Nye's goal. He says, mm, you know what? I feel like I need to do a little more. Then he has the big fight. He picks up the Gordie Howe hat trick before I think the second period's even over. Just an incredible, Sheldon said it there. Nye's got them going. I think there's something to that. Like it's not, it's not an accident that the team looked like that after one having the goal, two having the fight. They just had jumped from the start. It was as, I won't say cathartic, because they haven't needed it. Satisfying is the way I would put it. Satisfying. The most satisfying regular season victory, uh, as I can recall, in in a a number of different years. And and, and you live in in the immediacy with Mm. this thing, right? Like, it it just happened. Yeah. <laughs> it had Kyle Dubas in the building. And I guess it depends on your view of Kyle Dubas, right? As you're, I, you're I a don't Dubasite. think it does, actually. You're a Dubasite. Yeah. So, really? It didn't? No, because here's... I was thinking about this driving in. I have... I would say the two people I've spent the most time in my both professional and personal life defending regarding the Toronto Maple Leafs are one, Kyle Dubas, two, Dion Phaneuf. Mm. And even I, even I, who again... Mm. Spent a lot of time defending Dubas. Liked the moves he made. Thought he was the right guy to come back and be the GM for this team this year. But that didn't happen. We move on. Even me. Seeing him sitting there. Sour face. Jason Spezza. Not what are you even supposed able to, to do? Bl- nothing. There's nothing. Like, you can, you can do the performative whip a water bottle nah. against the wall. That's so I much mean, worse. I mean, but that's good after, like, goal four exactly. or maybe five. Six and seven. That, that, what are like- you doing? You got to sit there and take it. So even, But what I'd say to that is even I, somebody who, again, I laid out all of my dubis bona fides at the beginning there. Mm-hmm. Even I saw that and went, oh, God. That feels good. Yeah. That feels good to see him looking that way. And, you know, it's it's like, again, time moves on. Trilliving's the GM now, and I do think this is a bit of a closing of the book. But, man, what a – if that's if that was the closing of the book there, what a way to close it. My goodness. Yeah, I, I think – I don't know what I would have done, but I, I'll, I'll tell you, I wouldn't have 
I wouldn't have moved. I feel, I feel like every time that they showed Kyle Dubas after one of those goals and he was doing something, I think the key would have been to just stare straight ahead and do nothing. Basically pretending that there's motion sensor lights on in the room and you don't want to trip. Right. I, I think the like adjusting of the jacket standing Tough. up and like, oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's getting too hot, hot in here. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I saw anybody else so hot. Uh, poor Kyle Dubas. Um, but you know what? He's got and six he more made, years on that deal. He made Spencer sit right there, too. He's like, no, no, no. Yeah. You came with, you sit yeah. here, and you be in the camera shot as well. Yeah, I wonder how Jason Spezza felt about that. That, yeah, maybe didn't have to hitch his wagon to the the guy that played his way out of Toronto. Could have remained uh, in the Maple Leafs front office. Yada, 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 yada. Could have, would have, should have. Anyways, there's, we'll, we'll get to the dupus yeah. of it all in just a second. Let's talk more specifically about the game. Because, okay, the, the seven goals stand out. But I think, and like Sheldon Keefe indicated this in his first comments after mm-hmm. the game. Because takeaway is Matthew Nyes and the defending of Max Domi who loses yet another tooth yep. on, on the upper row there. Um, but, like... Just adds to it. He, he immediately... Like, there's no hesitation. No. And I don't know if there's a, a... If this is correlation or causation, but it feels like the Bruins, Brad Marchand, Timothy Lilligren thing mm-hmm. in Lilligren's first game back, mind you. And, of course, yeah, we got to get to the fact that there's no Austin Matthews, no mm-hmm. TJ Brody in that game. Yeah. And the Leafs look like the most dominant version of themselves. But... You know, we talk about this all the time. Like, what would Matthews look like if he just had that edge, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if he just a little bit. You don't have to be a crazy person, but you have to appear as though you're affected by the emotion of the game. Like, what if he had that? Then you'd be really talking about what are the all-time, all-time. I mean, he's going to be an all-time great yeah, either way, goal scoring. But, yeah, like, you, you'd be talking about the most famous athlete in the history of this city. Entirely possible. I mean, you look at one game from Matthew Nyes. I'll mm-hmm. just speak. Sure. For myself. Speak. I I view the guy entirely differently now after a 60-minute hockey game, seeing what I did after that that opening period. Well, I mean, we, we know the the offensive ability is there for yeah. him with the goal and the assist and the Gordie Howe hat trick. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's the it's the the fight, the defending of the teammate to me that changes everything. Yeah, I think that's the I mean, you look at the size that he has, and it's to your point, it's the thing we've always talked about with Matthews. I mean, John Tavares, he's not a he's not a tough guy by any means, but you see him, it's like, oh, big boy. Like if you had a little bit of that crazy in you as well, how different would it would it look? And this is this isn't where I want to go with it because I don't think it I don't want to turn this into anything remotely negative, but I'd be lying if I didn't think this that okay, so he's not playing next to Matthews. And that happens, and he just sees red right away. Because not to say that there's been a hit that dirty right in front of Nyes. I can't sit here and pinpoint a time that it's happened. But he's definitely had opportunities to kind of snap on a guy, and he hasn't done it at any point in time. And I don't say this to say that Austin Matthews is a bad influence on Matthew Nyes or anything along those lines. But you take on, especially as a younger player, you take on the character of those around you. You know who's got a screw loose? You know who would have done that if the shoe was on the other foot? Max Domi. Max Domi. And how can you look at that any other way? And again, I don't want to turn this into a, oh, yeah, I actually don't like Austin. No, we all love Austin Matthews. He's great, okay? But how can you see Matthew Nyes look that way without when he's not riding shotgun with that guy and just wonder, what is it about the temperament of that player that doesn't allow that to come out at other times? Hundred percent. Like, yeah. I mean, they're they're both the Arizona guys, so that's why it's hard not to think about Nyes and and Matthews yeah. as the same dude. And I am of the belief that you can't just like tell a guy to be 
to be more defensive of his own teammates, to play with more emotion. Like okay, that's uh, my, my child's the case study for that. I'm always telling him, like, you got to stick up for your teammates. So we'll see if what happens yeah, okay. in, like, 10 years. Right. Nature versus you know nurture. What? We're going to find out here. I think you can create it when you're okay. a child. All right. All right. <laughs> in your formative years. Different than when you're like a 20 year old professional hockey player. Who's, it, it's a, it's a, a little more cast. It's it's a little little tougher. But yeah, to the Max Domi of it all. I mean, who was the guy that took one of the two instigator penalties in yep. that Vancouver game before they went to who Sweden? Fought Sam Bennett. Who's the guy that made fun of Sam Bennett's bald skull? <laughs> and <laughs> we'll get to this a little bit, like in in depth, a little bit later on. But it just. Heart is like a, it's a it's a when you use the, the term heart, mm-hmm. it, it, it's 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 a it creates a, a division among people that watch hockey, right? right? Like, oh, yeah. Because we've moved so far beyond the things that are unquantifiable, and mm-hmm. that's something that you can't quantify. I mean, maybe it would be that the Leafs are a top five team in hits uh, leveled this season. Although there's you can quibble with that stat too because you yeah. can't hit if you if you have the puck, right? That's what Shelton Keefe said, yeah. I get that too, but it does feel like, God, again, mm-hmm. a million years ago, the Bruins game and Brad Marchand, yep. that it does feel like, and listen, this is not like the, the toughest team. This is not the Bruins. Mm-hmm. This is not even the Golden Knights yep. team of the postseason, mm-hmm. right? But there is, there's something here, and it's it's hard not to put a lot of that on Max Domi as, as the like the physical conscience of this team. I want to believe so bad in everything you're saying. And I'm not even saying it's not true, but it's not lost on me that, and this isn't a complete, you know, one-to-one comparison, but it's not lost on me that they had a chance to do that against a Boston Bruins team. And there wasn't a lot of that to be had in that last game. Now they took care of business. They played a good hockey game. Maybe I think to a lot of people, that's more important than settling scores or proving who you are. And you know, the Florida Panthers are not some shrinking violet hockey club that you can go in there and act tough against if you're not. Mm -hmm. So give them credit for doing that. But it does still feel like there is some (sighs) boogeyman aspect of the Bruins. And it's not from a winning standpoint because the Leafs, quite frankly, have had that team's number over the last handful of seasons. But it just seems like that team in particular still does something to the Leafs and doesn't allow this to come out of them. I hope that this is some sea change moment, but it almost does feel like Boston is the schoolyard bully. And it's like, yeah, okay. They can go shove another nerd in the mm. locker. Great. Do that to the Canucks. Yeah. Good good job. And again, the Panthers, not oh, it some, feels like it's punching down. A little not not that the Penguins are punching down. Not that any, but it's it almost to me feels like until you can do it against Boston, is it really happening? And maybe that's completely unfair to say, but that is where my mind goes because we didn't see we saw a great game. We saw a really strong team in the last outing against mm. Boston. But we didn't see this. Mm-hmm. We didn't see Matthew Nyes going to settle scores with Brad Marchand. And again, I don't think that's the most important thing. But I don't think that this is necessarily a sea change moment. I think you're seeing baby steps build from this team in that in that in that element of sticking up for each other and having heart. But I think you need to see it more than a handful of times. We've seen it a handful of times this year, more than we've seen it in the last three, four years combined. So it is a big change. And to your point. I wonder if that comes from Max Domi. I don't want to put it all on him. You can't. I know Ryan Reeves is hurt and no longer on the team for now, but you can't just take him completely out of the equation. Brad for living, potentially caring and embodying different things. We know he went into the room mm-hmm. after that Bruins game and not to say Kyle Dubas has never met with the players before. We know he has, but I highly doubt his message is, 
you know, maybe part of it is you got to stick up for each other, but I don't think that's the whole message that was coming from him. So I think that when you look at things, when you look at all of those pieces of the puzzle, there are a lot of steps building in that regard. I just need to see it. it? I'm I'm starting to buy it, I guess, is where I'm Uh, at. Again, like the immediacy of Saturday, it's, yeah. It's it's hard to get away from that, and it's hard to get away from the fact that Matthew Nye is not exactly somebody you think of. Well, no. I mean, he said he's never been in a fight in his <laughs> hockey career. Guys wearing a cage his whole like upbringing until he until he got to the NHL, right? He played college hockey, played yep. in the USHL. Like it's what they do. So yeah, it's just not part and parcel of the game. And I think that's great to see coming out. And you do hope that this can awaken him. And you don't want Matthew Nye having ten fights a year, but if he wants to have three, you want him to. Yeah, you just you, you you want yeah that switch to be or that 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 mode to be something that he's capable of playing within. Yeah, yeah. Um, Max Domi with the three point night. You know he leads this team in five on five assists this season. I did not. He's twelfth in ice time on this team. He's sixth in points. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so that includes some defensemen, but For sure. Th- I mean, the point is that in producing limited time and yeah the goal scoring hasn't necessarily been there but this is a guy that is not necessarily a big goal scorer but mm-hmm. he's producing offensively Brent and boy it's funny to go back and revisit some of the early season narratives it was Tyler Bertuzzi right off the hop and then right after him it was Max Domi what the hell like where where is the fit with this guy yep. and then ever since he gets thrown up the middle in a spot that you thought was going to be just a placeholder for mm-hmm. him until the eventual third line center was acquired at the trade deadline He's taken off and then gets the the chance to play in the top six on Saturday with no Austin Matthews. I mean, it's hard not to look at that signing. And again, we're not even half. We're not even the All Star break yet, yep. right? Like, but things are trending in a direction uh, of of that being pretty close to a home run signing by Brad for Living. Absolutely, I I remember looking at the Matt Duchesne money for pretty similar similar term. I think it's the exact same money that he that he ended up signing with, and thinking, ooh. I would much rather have had that guy. And sorry, Matt Duchesne, uh, you know, couple-time Team Canada gold medalist, but I think I'd rather have Max Domi on this team right now. And you can't, you can't, you can't paper over all the stuff we just talked about with him. Like the production is great. The fact that he's given you what you need out of your third-line center right now is great. But I actually think the biggest element he has brought is what you hoped he had, and it's that just unlocking the ability to care about one another, to stick Mm -hmm. up for each other. And I also think that, you know, his dad certainly had some of this and he ain't his dad, but you know, it's one thing when Matthew dies at six, two, two, 10 or whatever he is says, Oh, I didn't like that. I'm going to go stick up for somebody. It's another thing completely when Max Domi at, you know, five, 10 or five, eight or whatever, five, nine or whatever he is says, oh, no, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go fight Sam Bennett. I'm going to stick up. So I think there's a massive part of that as well. The other thing with Domi is that on a team with really high-end talent, which the Leafs obviously have, that you want a guy like Domi who can pop up into one of those spots if you have your Austin Matthews injury, if things go cold and you need a different look. Max Domi, you know, there are definitely things that he doesn't give you as a third-line center that you wish you had in that, like, defensive stalwart. But most of those guys can't turn into your second-line center in a pinch for a week or two if you need it to be or throw them up on the left side in your top six. And that is why I think Domi is such, a, such an important signing for this team because it's the versatility. It did seem like, ah, he, there's only one spot for him. 
but now that he's found kind of a home at center and then mm-hmm. you're able to kind of put him in these other spots, it, it's been a it's been a great sign. Well, and it's and it's a situation for him considering the last name, considering how how much at this point in his career he would like to make this a long-term thing, like how you could see if things got off to a rocky start, which they did ever so briefly before he was uh, given the opportunity to play up the middle on that third line, that things could be building for him from a pressure standpoint. Totally. But to, ha- to get off to the start... Points wise, narrative wise, is is a, a huge bonus for a guy who's on a on a one year deal. Um, Martin well, Jones, and, and just on the production standpoint, like this is what a you know sometimes we get carried away. We do it with Yarncrock all the time, where he'll yeah. go a month and a half without scoring, and you go, I thought this guy was a twenty goal scorer. Well, he's not. He's like seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. Max Domi, he's a fifty ish point guy. This mm-hmm. is what it looks like. You're gonna have a month where he's on fire, and you go, wow, this looks like a seventy five point guy. Yes, remember. The other month is coming at some point in time. It's the thing we say about William Nylander until this year when he turned into that guy. If he did that every night, he'd be a $10 million player. Now he is, and Max Domi, this is why he is what he is. So ride this high while you've got it, but there's a reason he was there for $3 bucks, and there's a reason why he's put up 50, 60 points per year in his career. Um, the the era of Ilya Samsonov as the unquestioned number one goalie for this team is, uh, is short-lived, feels like. Yikes. Uh, dark days in the Samsonov household right now. I mean, it, we, we've talked a lot about this guy and needing to feel good and where's he at. I, I can't imagine his confidence is not absolute rock bottom right now. He has the outing he has. Martin Jones comes in and the team looks like that in front of him. I don't think they've played that way because Samsonov wasn't in the net and it was Martin Jones. I don't necessarily think that's what happened, but... We've talked about this with Jones, the floor versus the ceiling argument. And man, floor looked pretty high on on Saturday night. You know, I know it didn't feel like he was overly busy. He did make 38 saves in the yeah. in the shutout. So yeah, it's uh I don't I don't want to get carried away. Like this has been two, three games out of Martin Jones. Let's not let's not start running away with where this is headed, but in terms of the confidence from Samsonov, how can it not be spiraling right now? Yeah, and how can you if it's a meritocracy? which to this point in the season, it has been in net, right? Ilya Samsonov had yep. a great season a year ago, won you a playoff round in six games. He got two starts to start the season. Then it was like Joseph Wall was getting the line share of starts after mm-hmm. that. Like Joseph Wall took over the number one starter's job in game three of the season. If it's a meritocracy, and you 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 have more this season financially locked up in Ilya Samsonov, but not long-term. Nope. Like this, this guy is probably playing out the string and then, I mean, if even if he, I mean, maybe he doesn't get to the end of 82 games this season. We can have that conversation as well. What does it look like when mm-hmm. Joseph Wall returns? If Martin Jones appears to be the guy with the high floor, I mean, if it's a meritocracy, don't you just got to keep running with the hot hand and, and start him again against the Rangers tomorrow night? He played well enough against the Rangers for them to win. I, again, he did give up four goals the last time out. But, yeah, I think you got to go back to Martin Jones and then see where you're at. You got a couple of games here until there's the the break for the holiday season. I think they play on the 23rd and then they're off till the 27th. Maybe that's your reset. I don't think by any means they want Martin Jones to stub his toe, but I think they would love a chance to I, – I think they want Samsonov to get back in the net. I still think that given – the body of work that's there, I think when the season is all said and done, 
we're going to be looking at at the Leafs having more faith in Ilya Samsonov than they do in Martin Jones. And I just think that you still have to be so careful about that guy and where he's at. You need to give Martin Jones the net. You have to take care of your business right now. Joe Wall ain't coming mm-hmm. back next week. He's not coming. He might not come back next month. You're still going to need that guy. Mm-hmm. And you, is it kid gloves? Yes. Is it annoying? Yes. Do I wish you could just say play better or feel better about it? Yes. But we know that isn't happening, especially now in 2023. Yeah, I don't know if you're going to force feed Ilya Samsonov. I, I, it's probably not against the Rangers tomorrow. No, 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 definitely not. You go back to Jones for sure. And then I think just like I'm going to workshop this thing out. I think probably what's going to happen is Martin Jones is going to play okay. Well enough that you totally could convince yourself to go back to him, but also not so strongly that you can't put Samsonov back in on, on Thursday. All right, we'll see. Um, it's it's a situation where you're happy that you were able to sneak Martin Jones through Thrilled. waivers Thrilled. <laughs> at the beginning of the season. It, what are all those teams thinking? Hey, Again, the Leafs signed a guy named Harry Sateri mm-hmm. out of Finland in the middle of the season. Anyone else in the world could have had him, and he got claimed off waivers. This is like a year and a half, two years ago, whatever. Of course, the Oats. And Martin Jones, mm-hmm. who has pedigree, has done things in this league, albeit play poorly uh, in the years leading up to this one. That was kind of the thing he'd been doing was able to sneak through. I mean, it's, it's so easy to point to, but if you're the Oilers, you've been sitting there running out Calvin mm-hmm. Pickard. How do you not, how do you feel about that? It is a miracle that they were able to, to sneak him through. And yeah, it's been massive for the Leafs. Like where would they be at now? You'd be looking at Keith Petrozelli or your boy Hildeby. Right. Or you'd have to have made a your secondary trade. Yeah. Again, a, actually funny, funny uh, enough. Right. And again, we'll revisit what the conversation might be uh, when Joseph Wall returns. If, if the run of play continues for Martin Jones and Elias Samson. All right, Kyle Dubas. Man. Adjusting that jacket. Uh, It's hot. Getting the chance uh, directed uh, his way. Joins a Pittsburgh Penguins team that is the oldest in the National Hockey League, employing some all-time, all-time greats, including a top-five guy in Sidney Crosby in the the history of the sport. And swings for the fences out of the gates, takes on the whole $10 million cap hit of Eric Carlson, that team goes like a month without a power play goal. They kind of figured it out after that, but they, they can't score. And and on Saturday, I don't know if it was a message to to Mike Sullivan and and to Kyle Dubas, but like I I I don't know what you do with that information in in a a, a spotlight game on Hockey Night in Canada in Toronto against the Toronto Maple Leafs and Kyle Dubas's first return to Toronto to lay an egg as big as they laid is something else. But boy, this. And things can change in a heartbeat, right? Like, yep. we still got plenty of season to go, and, and the story is not yet written on either team this season or in, in seasons um, subsequent to mm-hmm. this one. But right now, it must be said that Kyle Dubas is going through quite a narrative negative run. Yeah, it's not going well. This was always the – there were there was really only two ways this was going to work out for Kyle Dubas in, in Pittsburgh. And, again, the way it's going to work out is he's going to run out his seven-year contract that he gets paid a lot of money for. Like, that ultimately is why he, he yeah. did this. Well, year. and he'll step back from the GM's chair at the conclusion of this year, right? right. Like, he's the president. They'll yeah. be like, oh, I, I tried my – but you know what? Let's get somebody else. It's too many. I'm juggling too many balls here. We yeah. need somebody in the GM's chair, and I'll step back into my role as president. I wonder how he's going to feel when he hires a GM, and then he still gets blamed when he's the president, despite it never having been the president's fault during his time here. Anyways, mm. that's neither here here nor there. 
you had to have a great level of confidence in yourself to take this job. They say it all the time, whether it's coach, whether it's GM, whether it's president, there's only 32 of these things. Okay. So you don't turn down any of them, but this was always a very precarious tightrope walk of a job. Yes, there's the world where you thread the needle and you give Sidney Crosby one or two more chances at greatness and another cup run and you're seen as golden forever. It is also entirely possible that you are the guy that has to oversee the untangling of the golden generation. Uh, Sorry, Mario and Yager, but they've got three Mm -hmm. of Penguins hockey. That is what's staring him in the face here. And I understand, like, you think you're great. You think you're going to be able to do it. It is such a fine line to walk. And I I honestly couldn't believe it at the time. I cannot believe it now that the Carlson move Mm. was made. If you would have just held your powder there, made tweaks around, like, again, boy, does this not sound similar to conversations we've had here, except the difference was at least you were buying in to a young core that you could, in theory, see growing together. This is an absolute last-second Hail Mary with Carlson, and it doesn't appear to be working. So, yeah, it is... It was always a dangerous job to take, which is crazy to say when somebody gives you seven years and again, tons and tons of money and autonomy and control. But this is the downside of it, that you can be seen as the guy who effectively failed Crosby his last chance. How was his perception here in the city of Toronto impacted by the way he departed here? Because again, as if you need a refresher, um, he was offered a contract extension, sight unseen. Despite the, the the playoff successes, Brendan Shanahan liked the process at the trade deadline. Yep. And then, factually, was in charge for this Leafs' first postseason victory in, in a couple of decades. Yep. Um, and then does that press conference at the end of the year talking about got to reevaluate things, got to talk to my family, mm-hmm. that this has been hard on them, this mm-hmm. run, that it's either the Leafs or bust, that he's not going to end up anywhere else. And then <laughs> Brendan Shanahan says, yeah, Okay, let's test that theory. Fires him. Mm-hmm. I mean, how much is is what happened at the conclusion of, of last season impactful to his frosty reception here on Saturday? Because, like, okay, it, it's one thing to be a free agent yep. or, you know, to somebody who who's deciding not to, to be in one location. He was factually fired yep. and was, again, in charge of a team that... that, that one around, I get it. That that sounds hilarious to talk about it, that being yeah. a, a bar of success for this team, but something they hadn't done, mm-hmm. and he was there for it, and it was hard. I it, listen. I understand yeah. why Brendan Shanahan liked the process. Ryan O'Reilly did seem like the exact type of guy that you would want to go out and target and mm-hmm. and and acquire headed into the postseason. Had some moments Too in that many first run. Looked at him though, so scary. How how does? The way he departed impact his his fan perception. Well, his fan, like, I'll just answer it personally first for me. The departure, it, like, makes it feel more raw for everyone involved, but it does not change the perception for me. I am of the belief that, yeah, he said what he said. And when you get fired, it probably puts a little fire in your belly to say, hmm. Mm, you fired me. Okay, I'm going to go prove you wrong. But I don't think that's the public perception. I don't think that is the common sentiment. I think most people... Saw And this is, again, not necessarily how I feel, but I think that's how most people saw it. Saw him crying about his family and mm-hmm. that it's too tough on them. And then 47 seconds later, him and that's Jason Spezza are hugging and kissing in Pittsburgh going, we're that's so happy to be here and we hate Toronto. Mm, I think that's maybe, how... Maybe not that, that part. That part was too hard? Uh, yeah. Okay. okay. I think that's how most people see it. So from a perception standpoint, I think that ruse the day. I also think that as we get farther and farther away from it, 
if this team wins, and it's big if, like I'd love to say it's not, but mm. boy, oh boy, is it a big if, it will depend on how they win. If they win and it is the core four dragging the rest of the team to a championship, I think people look back on it a little differently and go, hmm, maybe it was right to double down on those guys. But if it is a true kind of overhaul, which, hey, like it's entirely possible we're seeing right now. We just talked about the importance of Max Domi and what Tyler Bertuzzi has brought to this team. If those other pieces are seen to be what really pushes this group over the top, then I think that that is what will nuke two his guys legacy is it, here. Is an no, overhaul? No, 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 not two guys. I'm just using those as the example. Mm-hmm. But if you have your, I mean, okay, let's just even go further down. Let's say the Leafs do go, they do the unthinkable and win two rounds yeah, this year. And William Loggerson, my boy, and mm-hmm. Matt Sundin's boy, plays in all, you know, 20 of the playoff games that they play in. You have those types of depth pieces. You're those kind of guys, your Noah Gregors start to fill in. If you have a lot of those guys being the story of a run, and I think it would have to be because even the best teams need those guys, then I think that hurts Dubas's the way he is seen down or what, in is, this market. what exactly would you say that he did here? Okay, again, I yeah. thought he had a, a, a good deadline and they factually won around despite the fact that they were outplayed. They got the better goaltending over yeah. the six games against the Tampa Bay Lightning, but... Yeah, and Lou Lamorello, I mean, he hamstrung this team with some Patrick Marlowe mm-hmm. signings and yada, yada, yada. But he did. He actually showed up for season in which they finished dead last. And, mm-hmm. okay, you can talk about that being lucky that you, you do that um, and you, you end up with the, the number one overall selection. That was his intention. Mm-hmm. And then immediately takes this team that was in the wilderness. So you're like, Where, where's the yep. direction here? Into a team with limitless potential. Like right out of the gates, game one, four goals, Make the playoffs, take the President's Trophy champions to to, to six games mm-hmm. and five of the six going to overtime. Anything's possible. And then it stalled out for him yep. at that point. But he did a thing. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, Lou Lamorello took something that was literally the worst thing in the NHL and turned it into a thing where there was limitless potential. Kyle Dubas was handed that. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, it's not entirely fair to put it all at his feet, but... I mean, scoreboard, like he, he, he accomplished one thing. He won a round. Yeah. But, it, but it's hard to say that his tenure here in Toronto was successful. If, if he immediately departs and the Penguins miss the playoffs for a second consecutive season mm-hmm. and they're saddled with some of the contracts that they've got as the oldest team in the NHL. Yep. And the Leafs do, again, the bar is, yep. it's, it's win a Stanley Cup. But yeah, say they, they win a couple of rounds or God forbid make a cup mm-hmm. final or God forbid do it all. Yep. Like what? What is the conversation around this dude? Oh, I mean, I don't, I, I think that, the, uh, again, I'll just speak for myself. I think the people who hated him, or maybe that's too strong of a term. They just would have liked somebody else. They, they grew tired of him. They were I ready to move on. I fine with him. Okay. I think that those people will go, see, this is proof positive. I think people like me will say the thing that always frustrates me the most, and I can't get too frustrated by it because I love sports debates where there Mm -hmm. is no answer, where we just get to have the debate, is that we will never know the true answer to if, in my my opinion, we'll never know the true answer to if he was right to sign those three contracts that he signed because of the flat cap. And I know everyone out there goes, oh, everyone had to deal with it. Mm -hmm. By timing and, hey, he made his bed. He had to lie in it. He literally paid the price for it, getting fired as GM of the Leafs. But I think that is the most frustrating part about it to me is that we will never know what those contracts would have looked like 
if the NFL, if the NHL does not immediately go into a flat cap era where there is no growth. And again, no team was hamstrung more by that. He made a great trade. He turned Kasperi Kapanen mm-hmm. into the 15th overall pick. Kasperi Kapanen. That kid died, mm-hmm. okay? Like, he didn't... Not what, Kapanen. No, no, not Kapanen. Still with us, thankfully. Rodion Amarov, rest in peace. Like, a sad thing. I thought it was a great gesture when the Leafs brought him here. Like, that can't be overstated. It wasn't a bust. It wasn't mm-hmm. a bad pick. Like, so there are, though, there are so many moments uh, that You sound were, like a defender. No, but I... Because I don't even want to be. Because I think there are so many merits to the criticisms. And I think that this is a wholly unoriginal point. A thousand people have made it before. It is a very political thing. It's like, if you feel the way you feel about Dubis, you mm-hmm. can sit and squint and see the things you want to see and say, uh, what are you talking about? Signed all these guys to deals that hamstrung them. And guess what? That's true. But on the other side of the coin, you can sit there and go, okay... Uh, is it his fault that there was a global mm-hmm. pandemic? Is it his fault a kid died? No and no. And guess what? There is some truth in there. And I think, is it fair to say, the the thing that must be said that matters the most is that was his success here, an over, or it was his tenure here, an overwhelming success? Far, far from it. But I don't think it can be looked at as an abject failure. No, either. no, no. I, I agree with that. What I will say, and, you know, what I said in the moment was like, Kyle Dubas is shouldn't be viewed as untouchable. It shouldn't, like, there shouldn't be some... 1,000% agree. ...pieces about, you know, how the, the Leafs have squandered this great hockey mind. Okay, so he is a he's a great hockey mind. There's no question, considering the age, considering yep. the success he's had, right? Mm-hmm. Like in the Sioux and then with the Marlies. Yeah. And, yeah, and the Leafs' regular season success has been mm-hmm. there for him. Like, he's obviously a capable person, but the idea... Who's evolved their thinking, like we saw at the deadline. Yeah, the, the idea, though, that he's, like, irreplaceable. That... that- <laughs> And like you're you're gonna go through the the wilderness of a half decade, de- like oh man, the empire is crumbling because you know you were offended that Kyle Dubas wanted more money and and brought his family into the discussion that you've really you you've overplayed your hand like he's overplayed his hand. No, it's like quite possible, and early returns would suggest that Brad for Living is capable of doing. As good a job, if not better, than Kyle Dubas. I would I would hold our brakes on that. We would sure, definitely not sure, be giving sure. Kyle we we would definitely not be giving Kyle Dubas a pass for Ryan Reeves and John Klingberg just because they happened to get hurt. We would be talking about the opportunity cost of going out and doing that on the very first day of free agency and what it hamstrung you you to be doing. I I agree with you. I don't think Kyle Dubas should have been seen as untouchable. I don't think there's no world where he couldn't have got fired at the end of last year, even after winning. Mm-hmm. The reason I didn't like it, and the reason it was because you know Brendan Shanahan said that he, you know, the emotional aspect of it, he didn't like that. He wanted it to be kind of a more pragmatic, business-minded decision. He didn't like that. Well, it then felt to me like you're now grabbing it. Uh, okay, let's grab a GM because mm-hmm. we made a rash decision to go and get rid of this guy who we were ready to bring back. So that was my issue with it at the time. Not that he is untouchable. Not that he's unassailable. Not that Brad Treliving can't do a totally competent job with this hockey team, which he's done before. I just I I thought at the time that it was strange to me that you wanted to bring a guy back. And he had some reservation about yeah. it. And you said, all right, we're done here. Because well. then you clearly are now on to your plan B. <laughs> and hey, plan yeah. Bs can work out. You it got, might be happening right now. You got to have confidence if you're in a position like that, obviously. Like you're in charge of so many people. You got to, even if you don't have confidence, you have to have an air of confidence. But yeah, I, the idea that I think 
what I'm talking about here is mm-hmm. Kyle Dubas very much feeling like he is untouchable. What he's done yeah. here is like the, the resume is unassailable, that he couldn't perceive a situation. Well, and part of it was that he was factually offered a contract extension. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I understand why he, he saw it. But at, at a certain point, Brendan Shanahan probably looked like, why 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 is he untouchable? Like, what why does he deserve to be able to 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 string us along here and then have the play for more money. Like, no, I, I understood it at the time. Yeah, and I, I do too. And I just, I it must be said that if he's saying that about that guy, he should also look in the mirror and say it. Mm. Because, like, you know, who's, like, it's not, it was never called the doobie, the doobie dilemma decision. No, it's, it's mm-hmm. called the Shanna plan. Like, mm-hmm. his name is on it. And again, I don't think he needs to go. I don't think there's some thing rotten with the lease front office that they needed to have this. Fine to have a sea change. Probably a good idea to have a different set of eyes on this. And I think so far, some of the returns have proved really fruitful. Dying to see what Treliving does with the cap space he's got available because that is, in my opinion, we're sitting here giving him a passing grade and we're halfway through the semester. It's like he still has his final exam, which is the which is doing the thing with John Klingberg's money. And to your point, like we'll revisit this later on, maybe, but uh, maybe not just John Klingberg's money. Maybe Ryan Reeves' money. Maybe Ilya Samsonov's money if they try to move off of it. Like that's so. I look at your living and I say, okay, you know what? They had the like first test on the first day of school. Let's mm. see where everybody's at. He signed John Klingberg and Ryan Reeves. Ooh, okay. Uh, summer was rough on you. It seems like there was a little brain drain there. Then he signs Max Domi, Tyler Bertuzzi. Hmm, okay, you've been doing your homework. Oh, William Loggerson's coming in. You're we're building together, but it's like we're if we're using a school analogy here, there is still his like major project or his final exam lurking, and that's the thing I'm really looking to see. But I think he's I think he's done good work with this team so far. Yeah. The season is interminably long. The Leafs Very have only long. played 28 games. There's plenty of narrative still to write. Um like there has been for the Buffalo Bills, who <laughs> through four weeks of the season looked like the best team in the NFL and then looked like the worst team in the NFL and now are looking once again like one of the best teams in the AFC. We'll get to the uh, Week 15 story in the NFL next. As the Fan Morning Show continues, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Big guests and bigger opinions on everything happening in Leafsland. Real Kipper and Born. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Bad morning, Joe. Sportsnet 590, the fan band is brain gunning. Buffalo Bills of the Toronto Maple Leafs. I don't know why. Uh, okay. This is not the most talented Bills team of this generation, right? No. Can't confirm. AFC is about as weak as it's been. Not good. In the Josh Allen era. This is not the most talented Leafs team we've seen mm-hmm. over the last half decade plus. Been some pretty talented Leaf teams. Yeah. But I would say the team that honestly went into the postseason last year is maybe prime among them. Yeah, but that guy built it's a bum. You were just saying. <laughs> Didn't say he's a bomb. I would say that he's not irreplaceable. Not, we don't need to re-litigate it. I could literally talk in circles mm-hmm. about that for the rest of my life. But yeah. for the same reasons <laughs> that if the Buffalo Bills get into the postseason, I could see them running through the AFC, ending up in a Super Bowl. I can see the Toronto Maple Leafs doing the same in the Eastern Conference. Mm. No, there's that's no right. juggernaut at the top you, of that thing. That's where you lost me. Even even in my dreams, <laughs> it never right. gets that far. But yeah, the Bills are 3-1 uh, and one, uh, under Joe Brady as uh, offensive coordinator. Coach of the year. Maybe 
I, I don't think so. Uh, but yeah. I am. I will be asking Charles Davis about that this mm-hmm. week and Peter King tomorrow. So just preparing you for that. Yesterday was the Buffalo Bills Super Bowl. Um, it was their final exam, seemingly considering the slate that's ahead of them. Although, I mean, they've already lost the Patriots this season. So I guess it's hard to call any of these games. Uh, oh, God. If the, both teams livid, if the Patriots win that game. Yeah, the, they just, I mean, absolutely take Dak Prescott and a Cowboys team that, yeah, a little different on the road than they are undefeated at mm-hmm. home uh, to the woodshed to, to, to pull themselves to eight and six. And now if the Dolphins lose next week mm-hmm. to this very same Cowboys team and Dolphins are on fraud alert. Then you've, the, been, they've, you've been there from the jump. I mean, I, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just I'm giving you credit. You sniffed it out early. The Bills run the slate. Again, if the Dolphins lose next week against the Cowboys, if the Bills run the slate, they win the AFC East. <laughs> Insane. And that's a, that's a week 18 game in Miami against the Dolphins team. That they they already beat earlier, but that was that was at home. Um, that was a twenty eight point win to bring the Bills to three and one. And again, that was a, a beat down that game. It, at that point in the season, who wasn't looking at the Bills as one of the best teams mm-hmm. in the NFL? And then of course came the next whatever five weeks where that that stopped being the case. But yeah, yeah. I, I'm all the way back in on the Bills if they get in, which is still like according to Kornacki, like less than a fifty fifty proposition mm-hmm. apparently. Uh, because they control no tiebreakers in the AFC. I mean, he's always he's too frantic for me. I can never understand what he's saying. I, I don't. I don't care if the 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 Dolphins do win next weekend against the like if the if the Bills end up eleven and six or getting into the playoffs. Yeah, and they they are the exact blueprint for a terrifying team in the playoffs. Couple terrifying skill guys quarterback who can make big plays and un, I mean this is also a blueprint for disaster for the Bills but he's unafraid to make big plays he will throw it in places where he shouldn't if he feels like he he has to the other part of it as well is the defense coming around right like we know what this offense needs to be it hasn't been at times it feels like a completely different unit with Joe Brady the thing I will say that I'm a little curious about is it's it's like anything in life when you've been waiting and preparing for something, you know, you've got your your best kind of script headed for you out there. It's like, how does Joe Brady continue to evolve as teams get more tape on what he's trying to do? But it's it's as much about what they've been able to do in terms of turning the offense around. Like, what have we talked about for the better part of the last three years with this Bills offense? Yes, Josh Allen. Yes, Stephon Diggs. Why can't they run the ball? They can never run the ball. James Cook, 179 yards yesterday. He's been a beast since the since the the change there. Most yards from scrimmage yeah. by any player this year in the NFL. Nuts. Like the fact that if the Bills are going to run the ball, I, again, like I don't need to explain football 101 to you. You get more guys <laughs> in the box. That makes it easier for Josh Allen to throw. Right. You make it easier for Josh Allen to throw, it's only going to lead to more disaster for you, quite frankly. So they're far from a perfect team. There are none in the NFL this year, you know, 49ers, I guess, aside, but they're made of glass and paper mache, and we're all kind of waiting for one mm. of those guys to go down. But they're, especially in the AFC, there's no perfect team. The Bills can defend well enough. They can get pressure on the quarterback. And if they can run the ball, they all of a sudden aren't a super predictable offense. And that is what kind of changes the picture for me. Yeah, the the Dak Prescott MVP case, uh, it uh, took a major hit yesterday. 
I mean, Lamar Honestly, Jackson probably would... moving into into runner up position. I, it's got to be Brock Purdy, though. I mean, just to yeah. statistically, yeah. team record. Come on, like I, you, there's no. Okay, the the biggest argument against it is that what he has too many weapons. Yeah. That that the, there's he's got too many too much help. Yes, oh, that, that is the that, that is the argument is that Cal and I know Peter King so, is so like we, not we, even listening but reflexively wincing at all this. But the argument retroactively is that, we have to discount anybody with, no, that had a good head coach and good weapons. It's not just a good good head coach and good weapons and I have I have grown to appreciate Brock Purdy more but Kyle Shanahan is not simply a good coach this isn't the case of McVay who was scheming things up and you had Jared Goff there what have we always heard about about Shanahan and specifically with Purdy the way he is coached it's there's just one read. Like occasionally maybe you'll get to a so second what? one. I mean he, so he's second in the NFL in yards um uh, to only okay. Tua, he's he's got the highest passer yep. rating in the NFL. He's got the most okay. touchdown passes I kinda, in the NFL. I kind of hate this argument, but I'm going to make it anyways because it fits what I want to say here. Most valuable player. Oh my if God. you take out Brock Purdy and put in game manager X, how much different does it look? I'm not saying it looks no different. But how much different? They look incompetent against the the Philadelphia Eagles in an NFC Championship. Oh, and game. they have literally no quarterback. <laughs> but honestly, like you you go through your list, pick uh, your. And Sam Darnold got into garbage time in that game and didn't do it. Brock Purdy. I okay, I understand it, but so what? We haven't seen it. Like show me, show me that. I'd like I I would like to see it. I would have actually I I it's the point I've made about Kyle Shanahan the entire tenure time of his tenure as an NFL coach is that I cannot stand that he prefers these guys who are less talented, who try to make things happen less. Now, in a year where nobody grabs it, I suppose, but if you're gonna give it to a 49er, I think it should go to McCaffrey. Like he is the reason that that offense is dominant. It's not because of Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy is the guy, well, I was about to say he's pulling the strings, but he's a marionette. Someone's mm-hmm. pulling his strings. It's mm-hmm. Kyle Shanahan. So why don't we just make him the MVP? Joe Brady can be coach of the year. Kyle Shanahan can win MVP. Let's get crazy. Like, I'm half joking here, but if the, if you're giving me MVP candidates on the 49ers, Christian McCaffrey won, Kyle Shanahan two, and then we can get to Brock Purdy. Yeah, I, I, I don't think you can ignore the statistical case that Brock Purdy's making on the best team in the NFC, in the, on the best team in the NFL. Like, if you're taking a straw poll of NFL fans mm-hmm. right now, who's not picking the 49ers to win the Super Bowl Agreed. today? And he's done nothing but be great as the quarterback of that team. Patrick Mahomes not in the MVP conversation. Mm-hmm. Taking and, pity on my Patriots. Boy, I mean, if that's like a step in the in the right direction for this Chiefs team, how how the mighty have fallen. I mean, they they they, they pick up the victory against a, a Patriots team that's actively like yes. trying not to win, as they should, right? Like they should have gone back to Mac Jones. Unfortunately for them, Bailey Zappi's better than than Mac Jones, but like th- there is no attempt, like in a in a like not a close game, but you know, a yeah. game that most teams would attempt to come back and you know put forth a fight. They're, yeah. they're like, nah, we're good, thanks. No, they would very much like to give Bill Belichick the opportunity to, to turn the second overall pick into 19 picks that will right. never play for, for the roster there. Yeah, the, the Bailey Zappi stuff is so weird. There was this clip from a couple weeks ago where he comes into the locker room. Maybe it was last week, I don't know. Comes into the locker room, and Bill O'Brien, the OC, is there, mm-hmm. and he is just dapping him up, giving him hugs. And then Belichick walks over, and it's almost like when you're screwing around with your friends and your dad comes in, you're like, oh, so, uh, sorry, sir. Yeah. How are you? Let me shake your hand. Yes, thank you. Uh, good job. Firm handshake, look you in the eye. It is dark days in, in New England. And f- as far as the Chiefs go, I don't think you can take anything from that game 
game from them. I, I, I have, I have rolled my eyes at this from you all year long of, ah, they're playing possum. They're doing enough to get, that is what was happening yesterday. They did enough to get by the 27 points. That's all mm. of a sudden their new 50, uh, yeah. but the way they struggle to score right now. And even the, the one thing I will say about that is like chiefs defense supposed to be dominant and I'm not going to kill them for giving up 17 points, but yeah, the Patriots stink. You could have held them to uh, a, a few less than, than that. So I, I think the chiefs are exactly what they've been kind of all year long. It's, they're, it, they're Patrick Mahomes, God. they're Travis Kelsey and Andy Reid and a good defense and a bunch of dudes. God, the AFC playoff field is hilarious. Like the Jags, nobody should be taking them seriously. Trevor Thomas. Lawrence, I don't know if you saw that fumble late mm-hmm. in the first. He just forgot he was holding. He was like, That's oh, right. my God, football. What about mm-hmm. you? Get you. Get away from me. No, it's quite a display at the end of the first half, yes, too, well. in, in clock management. Yes. <laughs> Spike the ball, maybe. What yeah. are you doing? Like, And, and again, I... This is the Kyle Shanahan of it all. They weren't treating him like a video game quarterback. They're like, surely Trevor Lawrence is capable of making a decision. No, can't do it. I didn't disagree with the idea of not spiking the ball, but you got to obviously understand that you can't throw it inbounds. Yes. It's yeah. short of the goal line. It, it, not that. You could have done anything but that pretty much. Yeah, so they're a joke. Uh, the Dolphins, again, like very much uh, on fraud alert. The Chiefs, a super diminished version of themselves. The Browns are like the, the team that's most touched mm-hmm. by God this yes, season. Very like, much so. Darnell Mooney yeah. <laughs> with like the, the catch of the year right in his chest, yeah. unable to to make the Hail Mary reception at the end of that game. I could not believe that. that I, I jumped. I don't care about the Bears one lick. I jumped up celebrating for them because I thought that was that was uh, caught. Who it was did incredible. It? But yeah, that team has what? Like three wins with PJ Walker, yeah. a couple with Joe Flacco. Yeah. They beat the 49ers because they missed a 41-yard field goal. That that team has lost its Pro Bowl running back and the quadrillion dollar yeah. quarterback and still find themselves at 9 and 5 and How- and in the in the mix in the AFC. Just quickly on Flacco, I love this about the NFL. There is no other I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but there's no other sport where these retired guys are just hanging out and eh, if you're no. good, I yeah. could do like could you imagine in three years? There were time, real conversations about Matt Ryan coming out of the booth well, this year. Can you imagine in I don't know, three years time? And I you shouldn't retire him before he's retired, but Justin Verlander. Right. He's just been hanging out. Yep. And somebody comes a call in in August. They're like, ah, we had a guy who needs Tommy John. Would you like to be our third starter heading into the postseason and be good? It it never happens in any other sport. Like Phillip Rivers, there's still people holding out hope that he's going to stop rearing his 18,000 children and coaching college football. And he's going to come back to your point. Ryan out of the the AFC right now. Ryan out of the booth. We're going to. We're going to do the thing with Tom Brady for at least one more year, I feel like. I think we're maybe done with that, but I don't know. Never say never. Like, Buddy. it is the best story in sports. That they, could you imagine, I mean, a goalie in hockey? I mean, oh, wait, I shouldn't joke about that. Martin Jones just did it. Oh, that's mean. Mm-hmm. No, I shouldn't say that. But it's crazy that these guys can do that in this sport. Joe Flacco, like, I know it wasn't, but it feels like 20 years ago he won that Super Bowl with Baltimore. Nuts. The Bills might be the only good team in the AFC. I, okay, I mean, I'm dis- okay, I'm, I'm discounting good. the Ravens. You have all year long. You're like ah, that Lamar. Yeah. You sound like you sound like a you sound like a football message board or sometimes like man, does he even play quarterback? What's going on? Are they a real I, team? I know. Put some respect on their name. The recent history has not been just flush with playoff successes for the Bills, no. but there's been more than there has been in Baltimore. That's true. One once. In fact, they, they beat the Ravens yeah, for the stretch. Four straight wins though. Anyways, we'll get back to, to the NFL story later on, but when, uh, when we come back, 
get back to the Leafs in one of their most satisfying regular season victories in recent memory on Saturday. And we'll talk to our pal Gord Stellick as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan.